from Bentonville, the epicenter of retail's hometown, it's the Supplier Community Podcast, giving you 24-7 access to a community of emerging and experienced thought leaders in the retail space. Enjoy the show. Walmart. It's the company that has simply defined this community for decades. And though suppliers may service many online and brick-and-mortar outlets, Walmart has a way of leading retail. And understanding the company and its culture is essential to understanding the overall retail landscape. In today's podcast, a former Walmart executive takes us on a brief tour of Walmart's history and its trends today, and successfully working with Walmart through the fine art of collaboration. Today's topic is Walmart 101. Good morning, everybody. I, st- I thought about having everybody stand up into a Walmart chair this morning, but figured that's probably a little bit too crazy. Um, Walmart ha- obviously been around for about 55 years now. Would, you, would it surprise you to know that Kmart and Target started the exact same year? And we see where Kmart is today. Um, Target has kind of announced that they're backing out of some of the grocery. They're not expanding anymore. So really, Walmart is kind of dominating. Um, Some foundational beliefs that Walmart has on which the company was founded. When I was there, and I I spent almost 15 years at Walmart, um, and used to teach culture in stores when we opened up store planning, or uh, opened up new stores, there are really three basic beliefs. Respect for the individual, which they still follow these today, customer service, and then to strive for excellence. That's why you see Walmart always having well, every report at Walmart is an exception report. What's wrong? How do we fix it? They have the correction of errors, COEs, and oftentimes you will have those, like when I, I did candy for a while, we had our COE meeting in October, November to fix Christmas for the next year. So they're really evaluating things a long ways out. Modulars are, and um, line reviews are typically done about a year out, but they're always looking, how do you get better? Having walked stores with David Glass and Lee Scott, it's all about flow. Does the flow work? How do we improve traffic flow to get consumers to buy more? So they're constantly reevaluating. You're seeing that now as they continue to reevaluate their stores. Sam had a philosophy that you could make a lot of money by selling things cheap, but selling a whole lot of it. They kind of strayed from that a few years ago and began to see some margin creep, which hurt them. We know what happened with Project Impact. They're backing off of that now, and now they're trying to come back to sort of where they were before, moving more of that online. But every time you talk to a buyer or anybody at Walmart, it's always about the customer. Sam's is always gonna be about the member. Customers spend 21 seconds in front of a category when they make up their mind about what they're gonna buy. So if you're not fast, from a, from a supplier perspective, if your packaging doesn't jump out, and I'm not gonna, go, get into a lot of packaging stuff, but it's gotta catch the consumer's eye. They're in there knowing what they know what they want. Oftentimes they don't read the label, especially if they're repeat buyers, so they're constantly going to just get what they want. Um, but it's all about the customer. And buyers will tell you, customers vote. Whatever they're buying, that's what I want on the shelf. If your product's not selling, I don't want it on the shelf. Space is premium in stores. Maybe they move you to e-commerce. But Sam always wanted to put the customer first. If you go over here to the, to the Museum, that's what you're gonna see. Um, And their philosophy, it started way back with Sam, save money, live better. So looking back at retailing, and I work for a company that's over 100 years old, but 
if you look back at how retailing was, manufacturers really controlled the market. They told retailers what they, would, what they could sell and at what price they would charge. Walmart sort of changed that. In fact, would it surprise you that there are still companies today that control that every bit as much? Ray-Ban will not sell to Walmart. They'll sell to Sam's, but not to Walmart. And that's one of many of the companies that are out there that are protecting their brand image, still doing what they did back in the 70s and before. Walmart really began to change that in the 80s. Kind of taking that control away, saying I'll stock what I want to stock, and I'll charge the retail. In fact, today if you try to tell a buyer, here's what you need to sell this for, they'll remind you really quick, I set retails, not you. I know the margin I need to make, you come in, give me your best cost, and I'll take it from there. Doesn't mean I'm not gonna nickel and dime you on the back end with the 1% warehouse charges and all the other charges they've added in there. You have to know that going in. So you saw that begin to change in the 80s, where the retailers begin to kind of take control and saying, you tell me what you have, I'll decide what I'm gonna buy, and I'll decide at what price I'm gonna charge the customer, because I know what's gonna work best for my customer. Now you get into the 90s and something really changed. And Kathy touched on it a little bit. The consumer is now taking control. Like Walmart and retailers took control in the 80s, now you have the consumer taking charge. Because Amazon, like them or hate them, and they're obviously a big foe for Walmart, but they have created complete price transparency. I was looking for something, we're doing some remodel in our house, I was looking for something that I needed, and I needed it today. Called several companies here, they wanted $185 for it, plus $30 to get it here in three days. Amazon had it for 85 and I could get it the next day. You wonder why small, small mom and pops aren't lasting? They're not being competitive. And you're seeing Walmart get very competitive with Amazon. And the great thing, the one thing that Amazon has going for it, they will let anybody sell. Have you seen a supplier agreement in Walmart? It's like 10 or 15 pages long. Lots of legal stuff. Amazon's much, much easier to get online. I'm not saying it's bad for Walmart, but it is a challenge for them. But with price transparency and consumers being able to take their smartphone into a store and price shop and compare, and seeing there are a lot of different buying options, I don't have to buy it at retail or at a big box store anymore. Especially if I can get it tomorrow. The good news, if you're a grocery supplier, there's only about 12% penetration in grocery. If you're fresh, it's about 2% penetration. So there's a long way to go if you're in grocery or fresh. If you're in apparel and electronics and consumer goods, it's a different story. Which is why you're seeing Walmart really get competitive now in those categories. Most people are okay to wait for a couple days to get a TV or clothes or something. If I'm out of milk, my kids need it right now, I'm not gonna wait. But consumers are really driving all of this change. And it's better for everybody. Unless you're trying to make higher margin. Because that's the problem you're gonna run into. So today, and one of the things that I see a lot, and I, as I talk to different friends of mine who are still at Walmart and are buyers, um, buyers' goals and suppliers' goals need to line up. If you walked into a restaurant and the waiter brought over your drink and brought over yesterday's special and dropped on your table and gave you a bill and never said, what do you want? What can I get you today? How happy would you be with that experience? 
if you were set in a buyer's in a buyer room or a vendor room over at Walmart, you would see that very same thing happen frequently. Where a supplier comes in and says, here's what I have, here's the price, it'll fit perfectly in your store. Do you know how many people I've talked to who were, a buy, who were buyers or are buyers and they have people who come in from town and say, I've got the perfect item for you, here it is, and it doesn't fit. They get asked, have you ever been in a Walmart store? And the supplier says, no, but I know, I know who the customer is. If you haven't been in a store or shopped online, how do you know who that customer is? Particularly being in store. But if you don't align your goals as a supplier with the goals of your buyer, how are you ever going to be successful? Rarely does, any, does a buyer get asked, at least from what I hear, what are you looking for in your category? What's gonna help you grow your category? What are the items that you're missing that will really help move it? They'll tell you, they know. And what are the buyer's goals for this year? Buyers have their evaluation every March and April. If you're not aligning what you, where, with your goals with where they're headed, there's no way you can be successful. If your goal is to grow your business by 10% and you haven't talked to your buyer and your buyer is only planning for a 2% increase in that category, do you see that there's a possible problem? It's kind of hard to grow whenever they're not growing that much. And their stores, they're opening 20 stores roughly this year. They're remodeling a lot. But if we go back to those 80s and 90s, Walmart was opening 10 to 15% new stores every single year. Those days are gone. Now the focus is gonna be on e-commerce. So they have their challenges, but it gets more challenging for you as a supplier if you haven't sat down with the buyer and had that conversation about where are you going with the category and how do I help you grow that category. Buyers are evaluated on three things. Sales, inventory, and the profit. The great thing about e-commerce, I have no inventory if I'm a buyer or I have very little. Typical order to a fulfillment center is one or two cases. Consider that to the brick and mortar where you're doing two cases just to fill the shelf on the initial load. And obviously there's more traffic in a store and they're buying and taking it home. But e-commerce, and I have a friend who, who does e-commerce for a furniture company, they forecast to sell. So they hang on to it and they drop ship it out. The buyer never has inventory, but the buyer takes their margin because it's transactional through the website. So the inventory is gonna be getting tighter and tighter. I mean, that's the thing that my buyer tells me all the time. It's all about space. I only have four foot section, maybe eight, maybe 12, depending on the size of the store. I gotta fit the very best items in that category and in that small space that I have. Online's a different story. But I also gotta be profitable as a buyer. And again, those are the three things that a buyer is evaluated on. If you haven't sit down and talked to a buyer, what's your sales goal for the category? What's your maintained margin expectation? Because their whole category has a margin that they need to hit. Are you above that or below that? Are you helping them or are you hurting them? Those are the questions you have to have with the buyer to really understand what, where your category is going and how you sell more. Collaboration is huge. I see this a lot too, or hear about it a lot, where nobody collaborates with the buyer. The buyers who have suppliers come in and say, how do we build this together? And it may take a year or two years to build that. But be begin to design a program that the buyer wants. Now you hope that the buyer didn't transition off that desk before it's all done, because then you've just shot, your, everything's gone. But they're usually pretty good about keeping on track with where they're headed. 
Because we go back to that first one, respect for the individual. So if they've spent six months or a year working with you to develop something, they're probably gonna see it through. But collaborating with the buyer, how do we grow sales together? How do we get more features? How do we move the needle on this category? Um, and then be aware of the market influences and changes. Walmart knows what's going on. And it's kind of, when I meet with my buyer, I sometimes feel like I'm, it's like meeting with an attorney in court because they already know the, the answer to the question that they're gonna ask me typically. One of the buyers that I call on, she has 400 suppliers. She really doesn't need to take a lot, she doesn't have a lot of time to waste in meetings, talking with me or talking with anybody else. But she also knows what all of those suppliers are doing within the category. So when she tells me, here's something I think you should consider, it's probably something I should consider. Because she knows what's working. She sees what all the marketing plans are. She knows what everybody's doing. I should probably pay attention to what she's suggesting. Whether she has a marketing degree or not. But she knows what's going on with her category and how it's going to help grow. Because that's what she's wanting to do is grow her category. All right. And that is all that I have. If you have any questions, um, we can do that now because we're a little bit ahead of schedule. Happy to talk with you about it. I do have to run out of here for another meeting, but I'm happy to entertain any questions that someone may have. Yes, ma'am. 400 suppliers obviously limited time to meet and have those conversations of where are you going with the category. Right. So is the challenge to get the buyer for that kind of dialogue happening over email? It can if they, you have to be, I think the key is getting them to understand that you're really on their side. Um, and that you, you're willing to work with them and grow, that's the, that's the hardest thing. Um, sometimes it takes, like I've had buyers that it took me two years to get a relationship with them and finally as we get there, she rotates off the desk. But buyers all talk. And so if you develop a good relationship with the first one or a bad relationship, when that next buyer comes in, they're happy to share what they know. So if you have been collaborating with them then it's gonna be passed on. Um, but it is a challenge to get to have those conversations. I mean, I, I got, I'm lucky because I have quarterly or, or at least meetings every six months that are two hour meetings with the buyer, um, and that helps. But when you have a line review and you've got that 30 minutes with them, we all know that they're 10 minutes late or at least five minutes late and they wanna leave five minutes early, so now you're down to 20 minutes, so you've gotta to get to do it quickly. But asking those questions, where, are you gonna, where do you see the category going this next year? And show them that you're trying to align your goals with theirs and ask them what their goals are. I mean, that's always a good place to start. And especially March and April, sending them a note saying, what are your goals for the category for this next year, regardless when your line review is, because that's when their evaluations are, so they just got those. Thank you for joining us for today's edition of the Supplier Community Podcast. We strive to bring you new content each Monday. Don't forget to stay on top of all of that fresh new content that Supplier Community brings you all the time. Subscribe to our YouTube channel and smash that bell. And for more information on our upcoming events, visit our website, supplier.community. We connect you with the experts. You've been listening to another episode of the Supplier Community Podcast. We hope you enjoyed the show. To get in touch with us, any of our experts, or to be featured as a supplier community expert, reach out to amanda at supplier.community.